0: Sound design.
1: They want a flat amplitude. They don't think about the time. You should start with time, adjusting arrival times, and EQing is the last step. Sound design. <laughs> Sound design live is produced independently
0: by me, Nathan Lively, in Oakland, California. Welcome to Sound Design Live, the show to help you build your career as a sound engineer. I'm Nathan Lively, and today I'm joined by the creator of SAT Live, Thomas Neumann. Thomas, thanks for joining me on Sound Design Live.
1: Welcome from Germany.
0: So, I definitely want to talk to you today about some of the really cool stuff that you can do with SAT Live, your work in system tuning, and your future plans for the software. But first of all, what's your favorite test track? What do you like to listen to while you're doing adjustments?
1: One is uh, Get Here by Olesa Adams. It's a quite old song. It's a a mostly voice-only song, and I like it very much. I use it a lot for tuning systems, especially (laughs) for the vocal area, which I consider to be the most critical one.
0: Tommy, how did you get your first job in audio?
1: I think it's very common way. I started playing guitar in a band with when I was fourteen years sure. old. Uh, together with my girlfriend and (laughs) so uh, we got here and we started somebody needs to set up some microphones and so because I was a technical guy so I had to do that and uh, I noticed that I'm not so good as a guitar player so I changed over to the technical side and (laughs) get known here in the town and uh, did not uh, I've been asked for the first things so I did not uh, go to the people and ask for jobs but they asked me.
0: Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So there was a demand in your town already.
1: Uh, it had been. It's uh, quite a year's gone, so I don't think that it's the same way uh, today. But, uh, well, I, I, it seems that I've done my things right. So anyone other yeah. ask, who is this, this guy doing your sound, and can we ask him for our us to do the sound and so on.
0: Well, in the little that I know about you, I feel like you've done very well for yourself. I mean, not only do you have this piece of software that um, lots of people really love and use, but you are also still tuning systems and working on shows, I know, and doing installations. So I'm curious if you could share maybe one or two parts of your journey that you think are most important or that you think might be helpful for other people to hear. So I'm wondering maybe if you could look back at your career so far, what's one of the best decisions you made to get more of the work that you really love?
1: As I mentioned, I'm not a fine musician. So I started really early to, to think about uh, using uh, measurement equipment uh, to optimize a system. And so uh, I decided to invest money in that area. And this was a really good decision decision for, for me as a person because, yes, I'm a, I'm a technical guy. That's I'm not a musician who changed over to the desk. Uh, I've studied electronics, and I know a lot of things about the technical background, and uh, I've also started programming, so I thought I will get some combination of uh, doing sound and um, my technical knowledge, and this led to uh, the combination now. And I think, uh, as uh, advice, uh, yeah, be yourself. Don't, don't, <laughs> try to Im- tr- don't try to imitate somebody, and, but uh, look uh, on you and see w- what you, you like and what, what's yours, let's say, USP, uh, unique selling point, uh, the things that's special of you. And invest in that, so that would make the difference. The other ways you can only get jobs by knowing people or by being cheaper than other people. And this is not a way that will bring you very forward, I think.
0: So what worked for you personally? What do you consider to be your unique selling point? Or I guess more importantly, what do other people think is your unique selling point?
1: The combination of being able to do sound, mixing a band or something like that, and adapting a system very well to the environment. Uh, We have a lot of uh, historical buildings here in Germany, especially churches from the 17th century and earlier, which are very tricky when you want to do sound there other than pure speech.
0: Yeah, and event producers love to do shows there because they look so cool, (laughs) right?
1: Yeah, yeah, What a cool place uh, to do a show. Yeah, it's a really cool place, but you don't have any... uh, Power outlets. You don't have uh, any acoustics. Yeah. <laughs> can't use in a. Well, I I know a lot of those buildings, and uh, I think it's a combination. It's not only saying he's making a real fine sound, but you have to give him a well-tuned PA system, or to say, okay, he's setting up this PA system really well, but it sounded okay. Um, I think it's a combination. So you can put me. Uh, in such a location, and I can handle uh, the whole stuff. And I think that's my uh, USP.
0: Sound engineers have come so far from being just uh, friends of the band or guys that hang out and yeah. maybe turn some microphones on, you know, we're now we're not just musicians and experts in mixing, but we're also experts at probably things like, um, networking and, uh, system tuning and physics. And, you know, we've taken on all these other things that are just, you know, part of the evolution, I guess, of the job and of the industry.
1: I agree with you perfectly. And I think especially with uh, the beginning of the digital age in sound, we've got a lot more possibilities. So when I remember in the early 19th, we, I was happy to have an, a crossover where I can invert the face and nothing else. I have to stack with a, a slope and with a yeah. steepness and everything. now you can't change everything which will give you a lot of more possibilities, but demands more knowledge.
0: So, Tommy, let's talk about system tuning. Um, I know that you are doing some education, you're doing webinars. I'm sure you also have a forum on your site and people are... Contacting you with questions. I'm sure all the time about system tuning and you're going out to help other people and teach them So what are some of the biggest mistakes? You see people making who are kind of new to system tuning and just getting started
1: one is a technical approach. They don't understand uh, what dual FFT is really about? Um, say just don't care about her reference signal, use uh, and measure some really crazy things. The other one is they start looking on the amplitude. They want a flat amplitude, which is uh, the target, and they don't think about the time. And I think this is a great advantage of the digital age that we can control time in certain ranges, and so you should start with time. Adjusting arrival times and EQing is the last step. And a lot of the people say, "Oh, nice! It shows me how where are my dips, where are my peaks, so I can put my EQ here <laughs> and flatten it out, and it will sound great." And uh, maybe it sound great on one point, or they don't get it flat.
0: I just thought of a good comparison. One of the reasons that I like my budgeting software is that I have to put everything in manually. It doesn't connect to my bank account. So that makes me kind of look at every transaction that I make and like, oh, did I really need to spend $100 on pants? Did I really need to spend uh, $200 on food this week? And things like that. And it's kind of similar. Now, if you take any of the measurement systems, you have to look at it, you have to decide what to do with your uh, delay, with your speaker position, with your EQ. But there are systems out there, something where you might connect like a smart system to a lake processor and then just have it automatically set some filters. Um, and that can be a little bit dangerous, right? Because that's almost yeah. akin to just you just load the amplitude response and you say, okay, make everything go to zero. That's <laughs> a little yeah, bit dangerous. It's, it's, it's,
1: yeah, it's, uh, it's the same thing uh, people d- 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 tried to do with RTA, uh, they got our RTAs let's say, 20 years ago, 32-bond RTAO, great, let's put the mic on one position, play pink noise for half an hour and move your faders on your equalizer up and down until you get something that looks flat and you start listening with music and you say, oops, what have I done? And this is also happening now with the software. They just want to have a flat trace and start working with EQ because they don't realize that Time is a really essential part of the whole story.
0: So tell me a little bit about that. Just give me an introduction to time. I I don't know, maybe this is the wrong question to ask at this point, but when you see people for the first time kind of getting into system tuning, they're just looking at amplitude, they're not looking at phase, and you say to them, hey... You know, the first thing you should really be looking at is time and phase and they say, oh, why? And what can I do with that that I can't do with amplitude? Do you have sort of an introduction or a way that you explain why time is so important?
1: I'll show them just an addition of two signals, uh, which is very easy in the live or other measurement systems, and uh, then just add a small delay to one of the signals, and you see the phase moving, the amplitude will stay flat, and then uh, add it. Just So, you you see a really fine COM filter, and mm-hmm. they say, oops, we have two flat amplitudes, and... What's happening here, and so you can say hey, this is this time. Now let's align the both signals that they arrive at the same time, and you'll see it's it will add. And this is the most important thing, I think, uh, if you understand this, well, because it's uh, there when you're working with delays. It's there with are uh, adjusting your subwoofer to the rest of the system, and it's all about uh, time or phase, which yeah. is a uh, cor- correlate. Collates face and time you know?
0: Hey good news guys. Tommy over at Sat Live is offering one free license to Sat Live to a lucky Sound Design Live listener. You can enter the giveaway by going to sounddesignlive.com and searching for Sat Live Giveaway. If you were to make a list of order of operations, as you have already mentioned, EQ would come last and then time would come a lot closer. So you should be checking on all of the arrival times between all of your different elements and your speakers mm-hmm. way before you're checking on sort of the EQ and the interactions in the room.
1: Okay, yeah, you're right. and most important thing, which I tend to forget, is just something that Maya called a long time ago, console check, is just start to verify that every speaker is working, that is connected to the EQ and output you think he's connected to. and might be there, so some uh, polarity inversion on something and fix it before you start whole the tuning, tuning the whole system so yeah. I, my approach is to start with small building blocks which the smallest is, is one en- enclosure uh, to see is this working is it connected to the right output is a maybe there's a the, uh, preset loaded in the processor which is very strange or something like that so just try to get a solid base or ground base to start from then look at the time and after that fine tuning by EQing and listening
0: that is a, that's a great overview well let's get into more a little bit uh, talking about tuning and let's talk about your software Sat Live so why don't you just tell me what you think the most important features of Sat Live are
1: personally Sat Live is a very personal system system for me because I build it. uh, Yes, I programmed it. I changed it for over uh, about 15 years right now. And while it's a dual FFT system like many other systems, and it's got some nice features, I think, like uh, some assistance for uh, adjusting delay times and so on. It also has a uh, impulse response section where you can do some basic room measurements uh, like RT60 or STI or something like that.
0: Oh, I've used that. I like the STI. Let's talk about that in a minute, but uh, go on.
1: Some people say, tell me that the delay finder is a real nice feature and it's working very fine, better than in other, other software, but I did not verify it. I, I find it a little bit hard to... Or describe your own product especially compared <laughs> to to a competitor's sure. product
0: can you use multiple microphone inputs with set live and kind of switch in between them
1: uh, you can switch between them you can use a seo interface if you got for example uh, eight input seo interface you can uh, program settings, where which you can recall by a click of a button to to switch uh, between different microphones. You can decide if the delay time for the measurement should uh, switch or not. You can't see two measurements at the same time. Right. You can store a measurement and uh, uh, compare the stored trace to the current measurement. That's possible, but you can. Currently just see one so-called life trace trace, which is one measurement result at at one time.
0: And is that what you commonly do when you go out to work on a system or you're working on a show? Do you set up two or more microphones at once to kind of work faster?
1: I just use one microphone. Oh, me too. Okay. I I don't have <laughs> a lot of microphones, the same microphones, but I I don't see the need for that in the most cases. I think, uh, especially when I'm doing uh, some things like cardio, eat, bus a race, so I'd like to have a second mic, but I I don't. Well, I'm too lazy to do to put well, the second mic there, the second cable run, and so I just go move the mic so I'm sure where it stands and yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it just takes a little bit more time. I, I feel like I end up running around a lot if I just have one microphone. So yeah. I got to move it, move it again, move it again. Yeah. If I had like four microphones, like Merlin does, Merlin Van Veen, when he sets up his yep. system, he has four different microphones, four different microphone cabled colors. So everything's uh, color coded and as the colors of the traces that he's measuring. And okay. and so then he doesn't have to move the mics around as much. But it's a little bit more complicated system then.
1: I, I think it would make sense if you are monitoring a system during a show and there are locations you can't get. Right. And so if you get on a balcony or something, you can put your mic there and you switch to it two times the show to see if the trace is still, uh, everything is working there. And that's a thing where I, I, I use that, but for the normal the default setup for auto optimization of a system I well I, I like just one mic so it might be because I've learned doing this with one mic in the early of this century one trace is enough for me to interpret let's say I don't want <laughs> okay. if I want if I have four traces moving at the same time I think it would confuse me more than it would help
0: sure.
1: but it's personal taste I think.
0: So let's talk about this feature of uh, some of the delay assistance that you have. I think this is a pretty cool feature that I actually haven't used that much, but I still want to try and talk about it, because I think this will be interesting for people. So there's one, for example, called the low frequency delay finder. I think it's one of the more interesting features of Sat Live. In a lot of system tuning work, you can really only time align a sub to a full range speaker by first measuring that full range speaker and then comparing the phase reading that you get from measuring the sub afterwards with the same delay settings, right? But low frequency delay finder allows you to measure a subwoofer on its own, right? I still haven't used this feature, as I said, so I'm just, I hope I'm not describing it incorrectly so Tommy could you just walk us through its application in maybe a typical alignment scenario and correct anything that I just said wrong
1: okay, okay. so we have uh, two tools there and the low frequency delay finder is intended um, to help you if you're set up or bus array uh, sub array so um, when as you mentioned, if you start with a measurement of a sub-array as a building block of your whole system, you've got the problems that you need to set up the delay time for your measurement. And a low-frequency system doesn't de- deliver a nice impulse response with a clearly visible peak. And what uh, low-frequency delay finder actually does is it measures the frequency response and the phase response, and adjust the delay in a way that we get a phase response which is uh, nearly flat. So he tries to to get a flat phase response, mm. which make easy it easy to compare it and so that's but it's not uh, something you normally use in a uh, time alignment scenario. Oh, uh, okay. Because if you look on a time-aligned system, you normally have uh, not a flat face in the ba- in the sub-area. It's Most time it's a little bit falling down or something yeah. like that. So the other one is a so-called delay suggestion tool, which um, performs the following steps. You just measure the top as you did on the default um, thing. You are Just your delay for the measurement, and then you switch to the uh, subwoofer. Take a measurement of the subwoofer, so you get the phase response and the amplitude response. And uh, the delay suggestion tool now tries to add both traces. The trace from the top in an area that you can define, and tries different delays in a range from minus 25 mm, milliseconds to up to 25 milliseconds. And for every step between, it adds both traces in the area of interest. And using this delay, I'll get the most power out of the whole thing. And uh, it results in one or two delay values. It's One uh, value is uh, for the perfect energy, which means that in the Range that I've selected, I've got the best addition overall, and the other wa- value is for uh, maximum flatness. So where we try to reach a flat response, which is not uh, the thing I suggest when uh, to use when you go for that adjustment of a uh, top and uh, subwoofer because. Uh, normally the subwoofer has more energy Um, Mm -hmm. if if you choose the the value for flat response it uh, tries to remove some energy from the subwoofer to get the system flat
0: (laughs) i like that so instead of kind of watching the phase of your subwoofer while you're measuring it and kind of adding delay to see if you can get the phase response to line up at the spectral crossover frequency with your top, you can just make a measurement and then get a couple of suggestions from the delay suggestion tool and then just put those up and see, put those in, put those numbers in for the delay and see if you immediately get the kind of response that you want and see if you can get the uh, phase to line up at the right place.
1: It also suggests us if you should uh, invert the face the uh, oh, right. polarity. Sorry, oh, That's don't beat me. <laughs> okay, so yeah, and it gives you uh, two values if uh, the value it calculates is uh, ne- negative. Maybe so it, because it uh, looks both sides of zero, it might deliver a negative delay value, which means you have to delay your top if you measure the sub currently and. Um if you can't do that because I don't want delay on the top there is a second value which shows our the next best position in using our positive delay value.
0: I appreciate you attempting to explain this with no visuals whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. you know it's 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 hard to talk about um, without actually seeing the software. I think if people are listening to this and they're having a hard time understand what we're talking about, if you go back and listen to what we just talked about while looking at the software at the same time, it'll make a lot more sense. I want to tell you a story about my project that I used the speech transmission index STI measurement on and tell me if you think this was crazy. I was up at a space that had been recently converted from just a big warehouse into a meeting space, but they hadn't really done much at all with the acoustics. So it was pretty bad. Like, just if you were in the room with me talking, if you stood... 20 feet away, you would have a hard time understanding me. It was that, but also there was a HVAC system that was really loud. So air being coming in for the heater and the air conditioning system was really loud in the room. So uh, what they wanted me to do was to figure out different sound system options to install in that room. And the way I decided to do that was to set up different scenarios, measure, get an STI number... Okay. And then give that to the client. And ba- so that I could have something more to say than just, this is what I think is good. Instead, I could give them a number and say, look, this number is better. This number is worse. And, you know, kind of this is the acceptable area in terms of speech transmission index. So I know I'm sort of abusing that measurement because. STI is normally used for emergency announcements. And so you have to have a good STI number in order for, at least in some states in the United States, for the uh, fire marshal to sign off on your building and say, this building is safe enough because everyone in the building will be able to hear the fire alarm when it goes off or something like that. So I know I'm abusing a little bit, but do you think that was a crazy idea? Do you understand what I did?
1: I think it's a good idea. Okay. Cool. Uh, okay. Well, I would be uh, interested in the results, and if see, I want to see if you can uh, affect the STI just with uh, speaker placements and something like that. So, uh, because uh, yeah, it's also uh, uh, the room plays a large role and noise you've mentioned. No.
0: Well, I think the most important thing I showed, I guess my big conclusion from that study was that the HVAC system was loud enough and there was enough reverb in the room that if you got more than 30 feet away from a speaker, the, speech trend, the STI would fall below, I think, 50.5 uh, or 0. 0.6. And therefore, basically, you wouldn't be able to understand <laughs> what the person was saying anymore. That's what I found out. And I thought that that was powerful enough to say that, you know, if you do. In installation in this room you need to make sure that everyone is in within 30 feet of a speaker to be able to hear
1: yeah it's nice it's something like I, I know from churches here problem I I assume we will get problem with uh, the levels the room filling up with a lot of reverb if you have to put a lot of level in or so you can get put them all in the direct field that's a nice approach uh, but I I've seen some rooms where, let's take it that way, you put energy in the room with your speaker, and the energy has to, to go away mm-hmm. in any way. And if you have really reflecting surfaces all over, and just a few people in it, so it's hard for the energy to get away, and above a certain level it will sound terrible, even if you are able to understand.
0: No, you're right, cuz I can keep high frequencies off the wall as long as I don't point the speakers at the wall, but you know, down into the low frequencies and even the mid frequencies, it starts to get more omnidirectional and then those'll just build up and build up and, you know, eventually okay. a certain number of speakers I'm going to have more problems than, you know, solutions I'm creating. Okay. Tommy, I didn't really have any more questions about sci- Sat Live uh, in particular. Is there anything else you'd like to say about Live? Maybe some uh, common solutions that you see people using it for or some other features that other people really like that we haven't talked about yet?
1: Well, there are some edu- educational features in it which were built in on demand of a well-known person which uh, has been asked from her boss not to tell about that he he was doing that okay so I don't want uh, well it's a German name okay I don't say anymore um, <laughs> so you you have uh, you can uh, record traces and you can add some to see how they uh, behave you can as I mentioned on the start you can see how they will add with a complex addition so you can see the effects of uh, phase and delay, so which makes them, which you don't know need uh, for uh, setting up a system, but it's very fine to show some some basics of yeah time and so.
0: Oh, I see. So you can show you can show system interaction offline just by saving yes. some individual traces, and, and then you and can do um,
1: complex addition. Yeah,
0: and isn't that called add live trace or something like that? Oh, I guess it wouldn't be
1: live. Yeah, you can do it with a live trace also, uh, so you can, as I mentioned before, you can record a trace, uh, measure a second one, and see how the both will interact. And you can do so with two stored traces, or with four or five traces, and it's called a complex addition. So it uh, will be added, and the phase will be taken into account, which makes sense if you have... Uh, one position with different arrivals and you can also just uh, add it without, just add the amplitudes if you want an average value to for EQing or something like that.
0: Tell me, what future plans do you have for the software? Anything coming out this year that you're excited about?
1: Well, I'm... Really close, I think, f- to a new release. We'll, we'll have uh, 48 points per octave resolution. Currently, we have 32 points. Okay. And we'll have a web interface. So we c- you can control it using your web browser from another device in the same network section.
0: Oh, you that'd be great. Stop.
1: You can uh, walk, start, stop measurements, uh, assign uh, measured traces to... Uh, So you don't uh, have to go to put your mic, go back to your computer, start measurement, stop, go back to the mic, move it to the next position. You can stay near to your mic and control it with your uh, mobile or something or iPad or something like that.
0: That sounds great, because I think what most people do now, what I do is I have a separate computer that has remote desktop on it for Windows 7, and then I run remote desktop, but maybe having your web interface client would be a little bit simpler to get set up.
1: Yeah, and it will be able to be controlled from a Mac browser.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, people are going to love that. Yeah, I hope. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know what's in your work bag, Tommy. What kind of tools are you carrying around uh, when you go to work on a show or do system tuning?
1: Well, I have uh, two small suitcases. Um, One is with my measurement equipment. Um, There's currently a Roland uh, uh, Quad Capture and a eSAMCON emx seventy one. 71 and 50, I think, It's called, a uh, measurement mic, a uh, uh, line isolator device from Neutrik, some uh, cables, cabling, so for the measurement section, and the other one is just a small tool case for containing headphones, a lot of... Uh, Male, male adapters, female adapters, cinch so adapters, and all that stuff. One the eye box and and my Bible. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> everything you need. <laughs> some <laughs> some handkerchiefs, yeah. <laughs> well, I I've had a, a large case before, but uh, it's always as if you have a large space, you put you carry many things with you, and I've. Got some cases stolen one time, and uh, so after that, I said uh, reduce to the things you, you re- really need and yeah. just have adapters, headphones, and the iBox. So, just in case.
0: And what uh, do you have any fancy adapters that other people don't have?
1: Well, I have some uh, Sub D9 to a three pin XLR, which I use for transferring RS. Two, three, two in Germany. It's uh, U 20, 24 in the States. I think it's a serial port, well known on some older controllers. Years, uh. especially on the bearing, bearings or something like that. You can use just one mic cable to control them. I think it's a crazy adapter.
0: How much is Not, that mic?
1: Uh, I think it's. About 250 or something like that. But uh, I tell you why I like this mic. First of all, it's a real has a real flat response. Second, it comes with a correction file. And third, it's. Oh, that's it's kept, You can
0: just load it straight into Sat Live.
1: Okay. Yeah, and you get it. It's really li- linear after Sat. And it can uh, handle a uh, high SPL. And because I have a second software, which is called Level Check. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, I forgot to mention. Yes, I have a calibrator. Calibrator is using device for my mic with me in my measurement toolbox. So, um, and this is about a level monitoring during uh, show. And this. So Therefore, you can't do
0: the same thing with Sat Live. You can't just leave Sat Live on and have it monitor the level.
1: Um, it depends on the the audio interface. It may handle that. So we have two signals, but I don't recommend that because uh, if I have Sat Live running, I I tend to change something. Anywhere. And uh, we have a German code here called the DIN 15905, um, which has uh, some regulations about uh, monitoring the level during a show. And I want to keep this thing separated. I know there are some oh, products. So you have like, like you a can separate computer running. Yes. Level. Oh, yes. Okay, just, and it. It, it also has large displays, so where you have some thresholds about with yellow and red and and so so on so i just want to have it separate you can run it on the same computer and uh, it depends on your audio interface if it supports two two programs uh, listening on the on the same ports for at the same time which is not in the aco standard but uh, nowadays works with a lot of interfaces and drivers
0: Nice. Well, I want to get a copy of Level Check to, um, to test that out. And I want to get that mic that you're talking about. It sounds great and sounds like a good price.
1: Yes, it's really nice stuff.
0: Tell me, where's the best place for people to follow your work online?
1: So, best place would be on Facebook. And the Sad Life Group, I think.
0: Tommy, is there anything that we didn't talk about that we didn't get to yet that you wanted to talk about?
1: We can talk a little bit about software audio console or something like that. I don't know if that's in the focus on your focus today.
0: It is. Is is there something you'd like to bring up?
1: <laughs> no, I like it. I'm working with it for five years now. Wait, right now, what are you working I'm with? With a software audio console.
0: Oh, software audio Console. console. Totally. Yeah. I mean, are you? Um, are you using that to mix shows? Yes. You probably know that I have used software audio console in the past. I actually used it to do a whole theatrical tour and okay. I I built it into a rack and then I just used the wireless interface to control it. So I would just set up my rack on stage and then I'd just walk out and just sit in the audience and, and use it to run the show that way. And I loved it. Now, I have stopped using it um recently because i like having a real console with like a bunch of faders but also the shows that i work on now a lot of times i need someone else to be able to operate it during a long meeting or something for maybe like half an hour while i go and take a break and so i can't really train someone else to use software audio consoles. so tell me about your experience what are you using it on and what do you like about it
1: well i like very much the modularity. I have a small rack with eight ins, eight uh, six outs, which I use for my when well, my wife does a small show She's a singer and. Uh, Accomplish her with a piano, or has a piano player with her. So I just put it somewhere. Have really the same interface as I use if I do the choir thing with, let's say, 56 inputs. So. I have two licenses, and I have a small system, as I mentioned, and a larger system, which starts with 24 inputs and goes up to, I think, if I use everything, I've got, I think, 72 inputs. And I have always the same toolbox, I have the same uh, user interface, and it's great. But I, I agree with you, it's very special, you can't leave it for some time and say to somewhere here, you can mix it just for five minutes or something. That's a problem. That's... But it's really fine, especially in churches or something like that, you can use a headless remote, which I I prefer to do. I have also, like you, the, the main unit on the stage and control it via wireless LAN or LAN. I have a small footprint of my front of house booth and it's real nice.
0: Now, one thing, another thing that I've done with it that I think is nice is that I kind of always have speaker processing tools with me. If I show up somewhere and they don't have any kind of speaker processing in between the console and the house system, and I feel like I need something, I can just use SAT Live to kind of run. Some processing, maybe like some equalization or some delay, and maybe put some VST plugins on there. So sometimes I'll just use it as sort of like a poor man's Galileo or something like that. <laughs>
1: yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes, I I did recently on Saturday I did a show in a church where we have I used uh, let's say mm, uh, thirteen outputs just for the church for the sound system and a lot of delays and. Feeds for translation and so on. It's it's real nice. It's a real nice tool. It's a special philosophy, like life might be in some cases. So it's not something where where a lot of people say oh it's nice or I, yeah yeah. But it's somebody says yeah great and others say no never right so,
0: no it's very polarizing sure polarizing yeah, yeah it's
1: a word, you know yeah, so.
0: And you know part of it is because the way Lantini built that thing is he made it kind of difficult to use in a way like all of the key, key commands are proprietary to that software they don't they're not really common to other pieces of software so you really have to go through the manual and learn to use it it's not something you can just pick up and use immediately i feel like maybe you disagree
1: I agree it's it's something you have to to spend, spend time with to get it re- really working and if you get, got it and you understand the, the theory and the way Bob sings, I think, uh, let's say uh, it's, it's really great and you can do a lot with this tool, uh, but you don't get Bob to think in your way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you think there's a future? Do you think uh, more and more people are going to start using software audio console? I'm surprised that there haven't been more pieces of software like software audio console to come out. I mean, someone could easily just do something for OSX for the Mac that's like software audio console, I feel like, and it would be popular. I don't know, maybe people don't want to mix in software but it just seems like all of the hardware manufacturers are going more and more to software to where you basically just have a computer running the mix software and then you have any control surface that you want
1: yeah i I think that that will be the way as you said uh, having a computer and uh, giving a really wide range of control the thing I like with uh software audio console is that I'm totally free in the hardware I use so i'm i use i bought used Motu equipment for the test and stuck with that. The other way is uh, that's uh, the problem of the hosing It doesn't contain uh, gain control basically if a manufacturer builds the software for his product he can really. Taylor made it for for his uh, hardware, so it, it could offer more features, especially uh, hardware-related like controlling phantom power, uh, mute switches, or right. something like that. Yep. So, yep. And uh, I know a lot of people here doing smaller things uh, with, uh, let's say, uh, X32 Rack and her iPad. Right? Yep. Uh, so it's basically nearly the same. And they learned a lot uh, on doing this so, uh, some years ago. My, my first test for software for mixing was uh, take the mouse or point somewhere on the fader and see if the fader jumps there. If it jumps there, it's not suitable for life for me. Yeah. So and this is something, so a small part where you see that software audio console is for life, you can Click anywhere and your mouse pointer will jump to where the fader currently is. And all the software I know also has the same performance. If you click something, it it will be moved to the fader and that's a fader it will move to the click.
0: I I honestly wish I could use it more. It's just I work on enough shows at this point where it's not up to me. I guess you know if it was my company and someone was hiring me, I can say you know what I'm going to teach all of my technicians to use software audio console, and then that will be our standard. And I know a lot of churches do that, for example, because churches get a lot of uh, volunteers just from their staff, from their congregation, and and so they can say, okay, we're going to use. Um, software audio console at our church so everyone who works here has to learn how to use it and they can just do that Tommy, it's been great talking to you, thank you so much for coming on Sound Design Live.
1: Welcome, was a joy for me too and maybe we meet or we talk again Sound Design Thanks to
0: Johannes Fade for the music and sound design in today's episode. You can find more of his work at SoundCloud.com/slash/JohannesFade. So you spell that J-O-H-A-N-S-V-E-I-D-E.
1: in 15905